Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Friday's edition of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am your host, Tony Anderson, and this evening I am joined by Sean McGuigan. Hello there. Hello, Sean. How are you? Ah, oh, fantastic. You all right? I'm good. I'm good. Are you a bit emotionally drained after last night? I know you're a, you're a foot soldier, as they say. Uh, I was... Uh, I, I spent two hours being thoroughly miserable and money, and then about two minutes jumping about my living room like a, like a daft prick. There we go. And just like every Wraith Rovers fan has always been for the dawn of time. Uh, and I'm also welcomed by Duncan Mackay. Hi, Duncan. Hi, Tony. How are you? I'm smashing. That's great. I've been seeing some uh, videos of some of the stuff that you're doing for a view, of the t- view for the terrace. Uh, what was that we saw on the, on, the, on the chat the other day? There was something about you in a garden, it seemed. All will be revealed next Friday, Tony. That's next Friday, the 16th of October, when A View From The Terrace comes back. Uh, I'm on it. That's... we don't really know where we're going to go next. We've recorded one thing and then we're just like, can you put a shift in when uh, all the football's closed? And the answer turns out to be, no, you can't. Um, so well, we'll, see what, we'll see what happens. Can't have sort of outside agencies coming into to, to stadiums to I do mean, fun yeah, stuff. let's be honest. Like, I'm, I make an absolute arse of it at the best of times. Uh, in a, in a, a heavily controlled environment, I don't think it's a very good idea. Uh, I'd love to, to but, see you get. Do you want to just have a fucking amateur kicking about? <laughs> <laughs> right, guys. Uh, it was sort of this new thing that we've got going with Scotland now, which is sort of failed glory now <laughs> that we sort of seem to have going under under Steve Clark. And I suppose last night is quite a, could end up being a really historic evening in an empty Hamden with no no fans. The SFA had to give back around three million pounds that we were going to have a sellout crowd, but I've got a feeling that it might have got a bit booey uh, before that penalty kick out. How did you see the game, Sean? I, uh, I, I'm starting to get huge Betty votes vibes about this Scotland team. Not, not because like I like Steve Clark. I, I, I wouldn't call for his head or anything, but just in terms of, so we've reached the playoff now. That's us reached the playoff final. 
we have uh, squeezed past a load of dross to get there. So we seem to have played Israel every week now since the dawn of time and <laughs> Albania. So that's the teams have eliminated to get to this playoff final. And so 30 votes qualifying. He had to finish above Iceland and Lithuania to get into the playoff against Holland. So we've not really played anybody yet. We've just squeezed them out and we are playing abysmally to, to, to reach this stage as well, albeit getting the results. But in the past, no, we've, we've kind of struggled to get the results. So if you'd said to me, if you said to me a couple of years ago that we would be one game away from the European Championships and currently top of our Nations League table with a chance to get promoted again, but should probably give us a playoff for the World Cup final, then yes, we're in, we're in a very good position. But the performances are dreadful. And it's funny because we... So on Wednesday, we've done like a wee rehearsal for uh, a view for the terrace. I know if, uh-huh. if, if you watch us play on the way in the studio, you, you probably think that we surely do no preparation whatsoever, but we do. We, we do a wee bit of preparation. <laughs> and one of the things that Fyler was talking about, and, and I, wasn't, I wasn't included in this one, so I was just watching, but Fyler was saying that the Scotland supporters, not only are they, are, are they demanding a win from, from the, the Israel game, but they'll also be expecting a performance as well. And at the time, I was thinking... Nah, nah, I would disagree with that. Even just like a kind of scrappy win would, would be absolutely fine. And as, as much as I think what I was in my head is, is correct, I wasn't expecting us to, to turn up and stroll to a, a, a 2-0 win. But I, I wasn't prepared for the, for the kind of level of ineptitude that, that we showed last night. We, we barely strung a pass together. We barely had a shot at goal. No, we uh, didn't. <laughs> we didn't. That was the issue. We didn't have a, we shot, didn't have, target, we didn't have a shot on target. We just we just did not lay a glove on them, and that's that's extremely concerning. Uh, Duncan, um, how were you feeling when you saw the team lines come out? Because I saw there was mass confusion on Sky Sports and on Twitter about what the shape would be. Uh, I come to the conclusion that it was definitely a three-five-two. By the time the game started, it took me a minute <laughs> to work it all out. Uh, but how did you feel once you saw that team? Take bearing in mind sort of the call-offs and the COVID situation. Uh, when I when I saw the team, I assumed we that Steve Clark had come to his senses and was going to play a, a, a back four. Uh, admittedly, you don't necessarily want to be in a a, a crunch game with fifty uh, percent of your defenders made up by uh, the ninth best team in in, in Scotland. But so like an uh, underperforming Motherwell defence, uh, yeah, uh, who are possibly looked but one of the worst defences. In the league, but then I was thinking, well, at least you get two goals to Coleraine, by the yeah. way. <laughs> uh, but I was saying, at least you then get to play Andy Robertson in his favorite position, so you know, swings and roundabouts. Um, and and yeah, the back three was a lot more comfortable than it was in the two games last month, but it's still, you know, it, again, I don't actually know how good it was because Israel were extremely powder puff as well, so I'd. Against a bit, you know, and that, that, we keep saying that, and saying, thank God we're we're not playing Norway because I think they would have absolutely destroyed us. I think Haaland would have taken all three at the back and had them for for his lunch. Um, but it's it's flattering, and I, I think we've we've Scotland have kind of got themselves in a position where we've convinced ourselves we've got a squad, a really good squad, and I mm-hmm. just don't think we actually do. Like I think we've got, I mean, we've got. I think the hearts, the hearts sort of, the hearts sort of mindset 
Aye, is this possibly like, happening? Oh, well, aye, we have, is, we have a better like, team on, than everyone. On paper, this looks good. It's like, aye, but football's rarely been played. Well, football hasn't been played on, foot, <laughs> on paper since 1872. So, like... Uh, I, uh, I, I don't think we've convinced ourselves that we've got a good squad. I think we've convinced ourselves that we've got a really good collection of central midfielders. <laughs> and, and, I, and even then, that's... I, I, don't know if, I don't know if actually if actually we really do. So in terms of, other than John McGinn, are the rest of the guys that could play in there, are they that good? Not on, I mean, not, Christ- not on recent performances, no. I mean, Ryan Christie could, could, could do something, Stuart Armstrong can do something at times. But they've both got the Rona. But they've both got the Rona, and then out with that, I, I don't know if there's too much. I mean, I know, I know Callum McGregor is a good player. I, I don't know if he's and I know, performed. I know that we need them to do a Scotland. different thing in terms of when they play for Scotland, because when you when Scotland are playing, then they see considerably less of the ball than than, than Celtic would. And it, and again, I was I was critical of him last night. The only thing I would say about him last night, and this I suppose I am sticking up from here, is I think he was. I think he was he done a decent shift defensively and I think he helped Andy Robertson out on the left-hand side. And again, I suppose I'm sticking up for another guy that didn't play particularly well last night, but nobody from the midfield helped out uh, Stephen O'Donnell on the other side. <laughs> but I didn't really think Ryan Jack helped him out if that's who was maybe supposed to, to help him. So he was, O'Donnell was probably hanging out to dry a wee bit, certainly nobody kind of went over to, to help him out. But, but That's an that, interesting point, Sean, because I think... Uh, it's safe to say O'Donnell's one for the Boo Boys and uh, for the Scottish national team. Anyway, uh, I think I replaced by Tom again this, one of those Sunday night. Bo- yeah, I, I, I think I am one of those Boo Boys. I mean, O'Donnell. Uh, I remember first seeing him like the first season I ever done uh, the Terrace podcast was when Kilmarnock had O'Donnell and Aaron Taylor Sinclair as their as their fullbacks. I'm sure if we went back, I'd be waxing lyrical about them constantly over the season, but. Uh, I didn't see O'Donnell much because I was away during his come up but under Steve Clark when I, I think his performance levels went went much higher than so his ceiling seemed to become a lot higher than we thought. But since then he's obviously struggled with injury and now he's at Motherwell and he's having a poor season and he's another one that's never ever really performed. He looks really out of his depth for Scotland, doesn't he? But he's he's also not really playing right back as well. That, like you, know, the, the, if you are if you are a fairly limited player why wouldn't you try and just play him in his position that he is limited in? You're, try you're, you're, him, yeah, yeah. you're taking a limited player and then putting them in a position of, to which he is uncomfortable in. And you know, and I know Clark got some plaudits for sticking with uh, going with two up front, but then I, I, don't, I didn't really... I don't, I don't think Dykes and McBurney's are a partnership for the long term either. Like it felt like that felt like of a, a two similar ish players. You know, not not without playing without playing wide players, Duncan. Which yeah. it's uh, so if you're going to play a three five two, you're limiting sort of especially if one of them's going to be O'Donnell and like you're saying, he is pretty limited in there. Robertson doesn't seem to have ever really performed in a wing-back role either. I mean, when you see him at his best at Liverpool, he's linking up. He, he likes to underlap, he likes to overlap, he likes to mix it up and he sort of loses that ability when he plays in the wing-back position. So if you're going to have Dykes and McBurney, the service they want is cross balls. I think they're both, that's both what they would prefer to have. And I think if you're going to play them, then maybe based on the squad last night, you'd probably want to see Fraser and Patterson maybe lining up to, to allow that to come to fruition. 
So, like, when you see it, it's like, yes, the back three looked um, better than it has in the past, but there was other parts of the personnel on the shape that, that didn't really make much sense. And, it, like, the best bits we were doing was when we were playing little lofted balls. It happened a couple of times into maybe Dykes or McBurney and then sort of try to nod it down or lay it off to a midfielder coming forward to maybe hit a shot. And I just, the minute I saw it, I just thought that's, we're taking away their sort of main attributes um, in this shape by playing them together. When you've got Shanklin there as well, who could have mixed it up, you could have went Dykes and Shanklin or McBurney and Shanklin, and then you would have had the more of ability for one of the three midfielders to maybe play slight, slid balls, through balls in behind. Shanklin likes to play on the shoulder, uh, and he can also score out of nothing, which isn't something that Dykes or McBurney is really capable of. And maybe, apart from maybe McGinn, no one else in the team was maybe... So it would have to be a well-worked goal almost for us to score. And when you're, we weren't capable of putting three passes together, so it just didn't, like, it was... I remember at one point just doing that, just counting the amount of passes that Scotland were putting together, and it very rarely reached more than three. It was so scrappy. The only, the, the only element I thought of the team that worked last night was the back three, which I, which I, I didn't expect, but I was... I was reasonably impressed with them, uh, probably probably because of what I watched them in the last couple of games, but they never really looked, I mean, they looked reasonably assured. I thought the mm-hmm. same in the back. I mean, I don't think any of them want to stride out for the back and, and, and play football, but I, I thought the three of them defended first and foremost reasonably well. And then in front of that, as you say, in terms of strikers, if you're going to play McBurney and Dykes, then you either need to deliver crosses into the box, which... Uh, O'Donnell was never going to do and Robertson generally doesn't do for Scotland and so the other element that they, that they could do is knock the ball down or uh, or hold it up for runners that are going to help them out and again McGregor and Jack were certainly never going to do that and McGinn just wasn't able to do it uh, Yeah, I was going to, I was going to say that I think McGinn had a had a he tried to be John McGinn and, he, and you saw elements of his game that were there, but he didn't actually have a good game. But he sort of <laughs> tried to play his game, which is, is, is faint praise, of course. But I think, he ended, I think they, they basically singled him out at full time uh, and showed that, but it was always ended up shit, really, on, on the whole. But I think that just shows how bad the rest of the performance is. Because you think that Ryan Jack would maybe quite like the fact that the, the players at the back don't like striding out. He likes to drop deep and take it off centre halves and sort of move forward from there. So I was expecting sort of him and McTominay to maybe link up quite a lot uh, in O'Donnell. But as you're saying, it just it never kept fishing. The game just completely passed Jack by in an offensive and a defensive sense. See, uh, uh, what I noticed was see at so at half time I was like right I. I can't be asked listening to the analysis of this because I just can't be asked it. I thought, right, are any other games that, that isn't at half time at this moment? And I realised that uh, England and Wales had played about half an hour at that point. So I, I watched the last 15 minutes of the first half and see the see the tempo that both teams were playing that game. Bear in mind, it was a friendly. It was everything was three times quicker than than everything you watched in the, the Scotland Israel game. And I appreciate that. Uh, if you have a collection of better footballers, then yes, they can obviously play uh, play more skillfully at speed. But I wouldn't say that the the Welsh team necessarily had better footballers than us, but they still played with a, a far higher tempo than we've shown in, in a long time. It's just everything is so uh, kind of pedestrian and, and telegraphed and we, like, we take so long to get a, an attack started that the, the opponents will always be able to get 
to to kind of get men in, and 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 then we just we just kind of get in behind them. It's it's just so feel, slow. I always feel that it looks like they've never ever played together, and I know that there might be uh, a sensible person might turn and go, well, in fact, we chop and change the team so often that maybe they haven't. But the majority of them, they they have played more than a football together and not just in this game we've got to look at is it the whole time loads of them play for Celtic together uh, or I've been in squads together numerous times and it always feels like to me sort of like what it looked like the Czech Republic when we played them and the idea is this team had never ever played together and I feel like that's what it's like every time I, I watch Scotland there's absolutely zero cohesion there's nothing that looks like there's a, a sort of game plan at all it's just like they're chucked on the pitch uh, and it's just basically hoping that the match winners pull something out of the bag. And last night we were lacking sort of Ryan Christie probably being our premier match winner and probably has been over the sort of, in terms of goals and assists over the Clark era. Uh, and he wasn't there. And, and, and even though he's not been great, um, he has had sort of tangible output as a player under Clark. This is a question that's been swirling around my, my mind today. Um, and like, it was like you know we we we're used to kind of like glorious failure and and all that right. But what's the what's the point in qualifying? Like <laughs> like you know like no, but like like it's we'll be behind closed doors as well. Yeah, so we well, even I know. Get so track. like so the, so the, like literally the, the upside it, the, there doesn't see, like you know we've well, yeah it'd be nice to qualify. But if if this is how we're going to play, what's the, what, what like. What we're gonna we're gonna be difficult to beat you, in three games and have so absolutely no ambition <laughs> to do anything. Like you know, at least you know, Wales and Northern Ireland, they've, they've, when they've qualified and stuff, they've tried to do it with a slight element of ambition. There's got none character. Of that. They've got a style that they right. rely on. But I, yeah, I'm just I'm I was I'm just a bit today. Been a bit scunnered by. It. I was like, well, well, what's the fucking point in qualifying? Like, like you know, to go to this bastardized. Euros 2020 multi-city shite fest and, and, and do what? Like, what's the point in turning up to the party if you're not going to contribute anything? But I'm not I'm right in saying that the, so the, I'm right in saying that the groups are already drawn for Euro 2021. We, so would, we, would, be, be we a, would be in England's group. Yeah, so it would be I know England, the Czech Republic and Croatia. So we always beat Croatia. So if we qualify for this tournament, we'd almost certainly get to the next round. Ah. Uh, I just do not share your optimism. With <laughs> <laughs> perhaps I'm perhaps I'm approaching it from a glass half full perspective. However, surely you cannot be so browbeaten since 1998 that you're now of the opinion. What's the point in qualifying? <laughs> <laughs> I think I might be. That's just, like that's, that's a, how no, but, like, at least, but at least when when the women qualified and went to the World Cup. They, they they had a style. They went and tried to do something in the, all those games. They were competitive. This just... I don't know if I can bring myself to be humiliated on a, on a European-wide stage of just shiteness. Well, are, are, you, are you of the opinion that if we were to come up against anybody decent, then we would just get absolutely smashed? Yes. Yeah, I think we would. I think... Look, I think that, all, would be, all, that would all, be the goal Steve Clark. To, is that... Is that is the Belgium game about this point last year, maybe the September last year, just shite. Like it was, like you know, it was just we couldn't. We, we took could a doing off Russia as well, didn't we? I just couldn't lay a glove, and that's my concern. And I don't, and I, I, I really, really wanted. I thought he was the right choice, and I, I really want him to succeed. 
but I'm I'm not like this is a it, it feels like the like I know this is sound overly dramatic and stuff, but it, this is a the, the national team's in a vegetative state, like you know that like it, there's no sign of life, <laughs> like it's there, it's present, it's living, just, but it's not it's not doing anything. I don't. It's and, not. It's not contributing to to anyone's sense of happiness, is it? I mean, that that was so shite last night. So start, I, I, um, I was so annoyed. I gave <laughs> up two hours of my time at least to watch the most some of the most insipid football I've ever fucking seen. And I'm a Hibs fan. How am I? Like, and I'm feeling that way. Like, it was. Oh, it was rotten. I mean, you know, feel- but you know, still, you know, still high as a kite when we won at penalties. Yes, that's annoying me. That's what's annoying me. <laughs> very, very Scottish mindset there. I'm angry at being happy. <laughs> all the penalties were all, all, all the penalties aside from McGinn's were really good. I was I was delighted with that. We showed we showed some steel and tenacity which hadn't been uh, hadn't been witnessed in the, the, the previous two hours. So maybe maybe that's something to be excited about. If we can, maybe we'll grease two thousand and four our way to uh, Euro twenty twenty. Well, I mean, sign me up for that. Uh, is do you, do you think that um, <laughs> without without the set piece goodness, like yeah, it's like <laughs> do you think Steve Clark should start trying to just like similar to maybe what Gordon Strachan done, where he really tried to he sort of picked people, sort of regardless of form. I don't know. Is that maybe an unfair statement to make? Uh, he sort of like had these guys, had these favourites, and he sort of tried to build a sort of club atmosphere in there. So that would mean that we start talking about guys like Callum McGregor, maybe just playing regardless. Yeah, just or, or not, not maybe being dropped because they just aren't doing it for Scotland, uh, and maybe just moving on uh, because yeah. I just I don't see it happening. But because Callum McGregor, just when you see him for Celtic, he, he drives through the lines. You, you imagine with him and McGinn there that we'd be all action. Uh, nobody would ever get a second on the ball uh, for the opposite team. They'd be winning the ball back and then they'd be driving, beating a man, going to them, going through the team, pushing through the lines. But as I said, McGinn, I think, tried to do that. We saw his arson play quite a few times uh, last night. Uh, he should ensure, he's probably the only person who's, he should ensure his arse more than his feet as a footballer, maybe John McGinn. But, uh, but just, they, that, that never seems to happen. That driving force from there, from Callum McGregor, it's, and like you say, he, he, defensively he was quite good, but he's such a safe player when he plays for Scotland. It's so bland. And we obviously, we as guys, we see him play every single week. And even on the European stage, he isn't like that. So, I mean, I do buy into that maybe he is a bit of a flat track bully, but we have seen him perform at a high level for Celtic in similar environments that he would for Scotland, where maybe they don't see as much of the ball. Uh, but it just, it never, ever happens. So, do we start just thinking we need to get a group of guys together who even if they're maybe not of the same talent, but they'll maybe put a performance in. But these, I think these that's aren't. why he called up Paul McGinn and Andy Constein today. I mean, that's good fun. I was all for that. Get just as many Scottish Premiership players in there who don't play for Rangers and Celtic. <laughs> these, That'll uh, get me behind them. They, they, but these are like this is it. Like like I I, I don't think I've ever seen them pick a starting eleven for Scotland and think to myself. Oh, I'm not so sure about that, or oh, I'm not sure why he's picked him, or oh, I can't believe so and so's missed out here. I mean, yes, sometimes his formations have you scratching your head a wee bit, but in terms of in terms of the actual personnel, I've never thought. Although you'd be better oh, if only we'd had John Fleck mm-hmm. in there, or yeah, like, like there's, there's nobody that I'm thinking that, that he could bring in to necessarily 
improve matters with the exception of you can change the shape that we start a game in. It'd be, like, it'd be nice if we could maybe find a few disciples, eh, guys, who um, always sort of will perform from, but it just, it just Dykes maybe looks like someone who's never going to let us down. And then John McKinn, maybe. But then, I don't know. I mean, do you, do you think we can beat Serbia? There's a question for you. Do you think it is possible, or is this game just a giant waste of time, or are we just waiting to see that their entire <laughs> squad gets hit by, hit by COVID? I, th- I think it's... I, I might get back to you after the following two games and also incidentally international triple header is the worst idea that anyone's ever conceived of <laughs> but, uh, um, and that's with club football still going on um, but uh, I, yeah I, I don't know like I, I would hope to see some I would what, what I'm hoping for is that last night's result was that's us getting out of the system and uh, it's proof to them that they can still win they can win ugly and this is now a platform on which they build. And you kind of want to see that in the next two games. Not 100% confident that's going to happen. I was and so frustrated that he refused to change the system because it did nothing. He was bringing on new personnel saying, oh, he's going to shift it around. And he never, ever done it. He's was so stubborn with this, which I really don't understand because he's never been a, a back three manager in the past. You know, it's not like it's something that he's he's, he's been brought up with and he's constantly been doing all his clubs and we should have expected it. But it's like he's so stubborn because people are questioning it. It's like he, he must stick with it because there was, what, like 110 minutes of evidence that it wasn't working and he's still, when he brought on McLean and it's still stuck the same for even that last 10 minutes. And it looked like we were, frankly, we were holding on for penalties towards the end. I mean, Israel probably had the best chance tonight when the guy just missed it by a smidgen from a, from a cross into the box. Uh, outside of that, what maybe the other chance, we had McTominay, which is, well, how do you feel about that? He's got to score, doesn't he? For a free header from seven yards? Uh, that, that suggests to me that McTominay maybe, maybe isn't best suited to centre-half or centre-forward. Maybe, <laughs> m- m- maybe just midfield would be better for him, I'm not sure. Is he just trying there? <laughs> Again, <laughs> as he had a good game actually, sent a half and said, I thought it was fine, but I, that was a that was a sell. And was that was that our only chance? No, no. Uh, the really? people know how the post in the very last minute. They hit the outside of the post. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think you might be right. Yeah, yeah, and that's it for two hours against Israel. Two hours, and we've got uh, two sort of set piece chances. And so I was disappointed by how poor the set pieces were, though, as well. You know that, that we know how limited the time is the team has together and stuff, and you can maybe see that's the reason why he's been so rigid in his formation because it allows if you know the players know how they're going, how if they're playing at right wing back or if they're playing uh, you know the deepest midfielder, that's how they're meant to play and stuff. But with that, should allow you time to develop stuff like set pieces and stuff like that. But there was none of that, mainly because we couldn't get enough passes to get up the pitch to, to even get corners but uh, yeah Sean, Sean me and Duncan are being quite downtrodden here <laughs> so can you um, come in and give us some hope for the next few games and we are 90 minutes away from the Euros can we feel good about that? And aye I absolutely should I mean I, I think it, what's so concerning is that like Israel um, like Israel are pretty low in the ranking so they're 92 or whatever they are and it's not as if they are a team that's quite low uh, and are on the rise. I mean, if you go back over their the last 10 fixtures, the only team that managed to beat is Latvia. So, so they are a really poor team and we've toiled against them two games in a row and been quite, probably been quite fortunate to get two draws for, for those last two games. In terms of Serbia, though, 
Now, obviously, there's this big thing, oh, we'll never beat Norway. Well, now we don't have to beat Norway. Now we have to beat Serbia. Oh, we'll never, we'll never go to Serbia and win. Oh, they're a good team. Serbia aren't that good either. Serbia haven't really beat anybody of any substance since they beat Costa Rica. Last and, night, Norway. Yeah. Until last night, until last night. I don't know that much about Norway. I know they have Haaland, but like the rest of the 10 could be absolute diddies. I have no idea. But in terms of looking at Serbia's results recently, they're, they're not that good either. I, I think Serbia are, are better than us. I would expect them to beat us. But in terms of going there and, and empty, I think if we were going there near the full stadium, I, no I definitely wouldn't fancy us at all. But the fact that we now appear to be the luckiest team on the planet, <laughs> I don't think it's impossible for us to go there and win. I, I, Serbia look like they've got, they've got a really, really good side. In terms of like names, when you when you start going through them, there's names that you know, and maybe they had slightly deeper squad. But I think you're right, Sean. You do have to look at it as they're on the same pathway as us towards the Euros. Uh, so something's had to have gone wrong for them to need to go through the back door as well. So they can't be perfect. Um, I know their manager seems to be. Um, I was reading some rumours that the manager's only really in there because he's pretty partisan, and the fans kind of like it that he doesn't view Kosovo as a, as a country and maybe he's not actually sort of like a great manager or someone who's there out of merit um, so there might be something in that but yeah they do it like obviously Mitrovic up front against our three the guy likes a scrap I can see some of our guys wilting uh, against a guy who plays that aggressively up front get Portland um, well, well maybe I mean that, that'll be fun at least we get a powder <laughs> keg one of them go Mitrovic versus Ryan Porches Ryan Porches on his debut he's a <laughs> As much as I rate Ryan Porch, I think he's improved hugely uh, this season. There is still that rashness there. The rashness that kind of makes him a, a good player because the reason he'll be able to maybe move on a higher level is he does like to defend on the front foot and he does have aggression. But when you're a young player with that, rashness comes with it. And if it's him v Mitrovic, that'll be under, quite, under, the, quite under, the battle With a, with a VAR referee. <laughs> yeah. Um, bring, well, uh, yeah. Bring, back, bring back Grant Hanley. <laughs> he's all well, talking. He's all that man that never let us down once. Well, talking about Grant Hanley, Sean, that's what that brings us as a nice segue towards the next sort of match in our top fifty um, Scotland internationals, where we have. And I'm going to check what the number is this time. It is number Nine. number twenty. Wait, then now. Oh, I had it. I Fowler, had it gave, set up. Fowler gave you this document, made a big, and I've got big song and dance it's, about after, it. And, after, uh, giving, after giving you a row. Uh, yeah, I've been getting quite a lot of rows with Fowler. I mean, some of them uh, some of them deserved, of course, but uh, in, in recent weeks. <laughs> so number, number 29, uh, and it's August the 14th, 2013, where it's the first sort of old enemy clash between England and Scotland, the first one of the 21st century, where England went uh, defeated us 3-2. So now we're back to normal, where it's glorious failure. Uh, and we had that there. And Sean McGuigan. Oh, actually, let me tell you. Let me tell you. We do our usual thing here. Eh? Who was number one in the box office? Who was number one in the UK charts? So number one in the UK box office on the, 13th of, uh, on the 14th of August 2013 was Alan Partridge, Alpha Papa, which I think we could all agree is probably... Yeah, but still probably the weakest of Alan Partridge's um, sort of output. output. Uh, I was, my favourite one is probably Mid-Morning Matters. I don't know about everyone else. I always just thought that was a perfect environment 
for for Alan Partridge, really. What about you, Sean? Are you an Alan Partridge fan? No, I've never seen Alpha Papa. Is it, uh, is it worthwhile? Yeah, it is. It's, good. it's, a, it's, it's funny. It's funny enough. Yeah, he can't no, go... Okay, the... no, I'll tell you what, you've really sold it to me there, Duncan. <laughs> I will take it out. <laughs> uh, number one in the UK charts at that point was... I've got it if you uh, want, if you don't. We Can't Stop by, by Miley, Miley Cyrus. Cyrus. It's an, an absolute tune. Absolute banger. Oh, there you go. I don't think I've ever heard that. I seem to have sort of missed out. I know a lot of the a lot of guys that uh, I know, and you guys speak are sort of fans of Taylor Swift and people like that. That I've sort of that I totally missed that boat where it was okay to like stuff like that. Um, so I might have to sort of have a rethink. You know, I was in the nineties. I, I I grew up on sort of boy bands because I had a big sister who was sort of four years older than me. So I was bad boy think. Nine nine one one in sync, a boy zone Westlife. I mean, I could probably sit and sing from start to finish, entire the entirety of Westlife's greatest hits without missing a beat. But that's for another. That's for another evening, maybe. Um, so that's for so this Patreon. game, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> uh, right. So let's get the the team lines <laughs> up for this game. Actually, no. Before that, Sean, Sean, you went to this game, didn't you? Yes, yes, I was. I was an absolute disgrace. <laughs> and that is exactly what the listeners will want to hear. So how about before I go on to this match, you talk us through your entire day uh, of going to Wembley for, I'm imagining, the first time. Or what I mean, you can I, remember. Was it, my, uh, it was my first visit to Wembley. I, it was, I mean, I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't jam-packed with, with events, but certainly it, it was the usual carry-out down on the train and I knew we were going to uh, Trafalgar Square afterwards so I think I had I think I had a case of tenants for the train and then I'd prepared like vodka and diet coke and like bottles of like you know the kind of half milliliter bottles of diet coke and I, I just poured in vodka but oh. I was burst by the time I got to London by the time I got off the train <laughs> what, what time were you drink? what time were you on the vodka for I mean most people would probably start on the beers uh, for, uh, for well, this no, such no, a long day we started on the beers I think we got the train at I think we got the train at nine and we were half eight nine but I was, I mean, I was burst by the time I got to London at two. So I must have started on the vodka then. And I don't, I don't remember leaving Trafalgar Square. But one of the boys, when we got the tube, one of the, one of the, one of the boys was at the front of the group and he was kind of filming over his head, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so basically we're walking behind them and I'm, I'm just all over, just all over the, the, the subway tunnel. And there's... It's during, uh, I suppose, kind of rush hour. So, so it's during the, the commute. And there's a woman who is surrounded by Scotland fans. She, she just wants homey. She just wants him. She's had a shite day at work. She wants to get him, take off her shoes, make herself, uh, make herself her tea and just, just have a nice, a nice evening. And she's wanting to get her tube home, but she can't get past me. Now, I don't know that she's behind me, but every time she maybe steps to her left to get round me, I then stagger to my left. And it's all, and just every time she tried to get rid of me, I staggered in the direction that she wanted to go. And it was infuriating her. So you, then, you can see this on the video that's being filmed. I, I, I mean, I, I didn't know that she was there at the time. It was just hard <laughs> work that I was getting in her way. But she was getting so irate at me. So by the time we got to Wembley, my, my, I remember my pal having to help me in. But then when we got in, he bought me a pint, which I really didn't need. And then I, I, I don't remember anything else until, until the game got underway and then obviously there was the goals and, and, and whatnot. But I remember the next week, I was going on holiday, I think I was going to Tenerife, 
and I was at the I was at the airport having a drink, and there was a boy at the bar that I used to work with, uh, and he he kind of shouted over, "All right, how are you doing? Nah, good, thanks." He goes, uh, "He goes, did you get back to your seat last week? Did you find it all right?" I was like, ah, I, "I don't know what you mean." He goes, "You know what I mean?" He goes, "Oh, you know, I remember speaking to me." And I went, "No." He goes, "Well, basically, he goes, you were, he goes, you were, you were lying, you were sitting on the deck across to one of the pie shops." He goes, "But your kilt was right up." He goes, "So you could see, <laughs> he goes, you could see everything." He goes, "I went, and I thought to myself, oh dear, Sean's in a bad way here. I better go, I better go and help him." He goes, "So I went over and I fixed." <laughs> He goes, I fixed your kill. And then I said to you, Sean, are you okay? He goes, and you looked up. And then I said to you, do you want me to help you up? He goes, and bear in mind, it looked like you like, w- w- were just not functioning at all. <laughs> he goes, you then jumped to your feet and went, no, I'm fine, thank you. And then I just sprinted away. <laughs> you just sprinted down the distance and I, I never saw you again after that. But I, I, I don't remember any of that. Uh, I had a complete shambles. The only, the only time, certainly, I've been at a football and maybe been worse than that was when Scotland played France and we beat them 1-0 at, 1-0 at Hamden. I didn't realise that it was an evening kickoff, So I'd, I, played Sunday <laughs> <League>. <laughs> I played Sunday League at the time and I'd asked the, the pub that we played for, I asked if, if he would open at 10. So he opened at 10. We went to the pub at 10. Uh, so I'd... I'd bought a, a big carryout for the for the bus, but I thought it was a three o'clock kickoff. So I thought we're only going to be in the pub for like two and a half, three hours. Uh, the, the bus didn't pick us up until about three, by which point I was already burst. And I remember I was wearing a, I was wearing that kind of zip up Scotland top that's that's kind of red at the top and then predominantly blue. And it was for the eighties at some point. I think it was the early eighties. And when I bought it, the label had a picture of Davy Cooper on it. And I think I think they wore it in about eighty three. And I got off the bus at Glasgow and I could barely walk. And I went behind a tree to do a piss. And a policeman grabbed me and he, st- he said that he was going to give me a fine, it was 60 quid or whatever it was. And uh, he-, he wanted my name and my, he wanted my details basically. And I don't know what, I don't know what I thought I was, I was going to achieve with this, but I said to him, uh, I am David Cooper and I'm from the year 1983. <laughs> <laughs> And he said, you're going in the back of the van and you're not going to get to the game. I went, no, it's Sean McGuigan. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Wembley, I was uh, an, an absolute disgrace. And I'm sure there was many, many people like you on that, on that given day. So Scotland lined up with Alan McGregor in goals, uh, Alan Hutton right back, Russell Martin, Grant Hanley, uh, and Stephen Whitaker, of course. And then we had a midfield of Robert Snodgrass, James Morrison, Scott Brown, James Forrest, and then, if I remember correctly, Sean Maloney sort of playing in behind uh, Sir Kenneth Miller, who maybe possibly had uh, his oh, best... moment, aye. ...all-round game. Look, so in fairness, Kenny Miller, he was good for a big goal. Uh, he, he did prefer... I mean, he scored against... Uh, I think he scored against Germany, he scored against Italy, he scored against uh, England as well. So he did like a big bit. His all-round performance, if I remember... Um, was was absolutely superb. It was it was excellent. You know something? I thought I thought Scotland in general were really good that night. And when I left uh, and I, I just started to sober up, I was thinking to myself, actually, we might be onto a decent thing here because when Strachan had when Strachan had started, we'd so we just pretty sure it was his first game, wasn't it? Uh, so this was his uh, this was his fourth game, I think. You were thinking. 
So yeah. let me get this right now. We'd, we'd, his first game was against Estonia. We beat them. Uh, we lost to Wales at Hamden when he was in charge. I think we lost 2-1 uh, and we were, we were dreadful. We lost in Serbia 2-0 and we were pretty poor. And then we won in Croatia. Uh, and I we were good in Croatia, but uh, it wasn't necessarily smash and grab, but we weren't the best team on the night. But uh, that night, uh, we, we acquitted ourselves pretty well uh, against... Uh, against admittedly an England team that features a few players whose careers probably went a wee bit awry after that. Uh, but when I left that night, I thought, actually, I wasn't sure if Strachan was going to be a great appointment, but at, at the end of that game, I, I left thinking that we were maybe on a decent thing. Well, it was a, a vibrant performance. It was high energy. Like, and I think a lot of that was about... It wasn't your typical friendly, if you know what I mean. Like just the, the pace at which it was all played at and things like that. Obviously, I don't. It was a centenary but, thing. It was a celebration. Uh, uh, yeah, of, uh, 150 years. years of, so it was a kind of a big deal. Yeah. yeah. So but you could see, see when there was a massive difference in how Scotland players celebrated their goals to how the England players celebrated their goals. Not necessarily Ricky Lambert. Ricky Lambert was... Uh, <laughs> he went absolutely nuts. <laughs> I mean, I think it was his first touch of the ball. Aye. Uh, Ricky Lambert has arrived on the big stage, the commentator said. Uh, and, and, Never to be seen again. <laughs> uh, but I, I mean, the, the, the Scotland players were going absolutely rage when they scored, as opposed to the England players who were kind of like touching hands and, and high-fiving and stuff. But you could tell it, it really did mean something to the Scotland players. And there's maybe a bit of a, I don't want to go back to the old ground, but there's maybe a bit of a difference to what it is now. We seem to have a lot of players where they look like they go through the motions. You don't know how much they really, really want to win. And uh, as much as these guys all were got criticised because they didn't really achieve anything for Scotland, ultimately, but, I mean, there was no doubt that sort of Kenny Miller, Scott Brown, Morrison, Snodgrass, Hanley... McGregor, they, they, they definitely, definitely wanted it and they wanted it badly. They just never really made it made it happen. Is that a fair assessment, do you think? Or am I being a bit misty-eyed? I think that is an element of misty-eyed. Now, I think that the criticisms that, w- that we've just handed out to the uh, the team for <laughs> the, the game of- last night are probably the same ones we were given when this team didn't perform under Strachan. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, like you, I, I suppose... Largely, that team was the one that that, that that also disappointed very soon after against uh, or next year maybe against uh, Ireland maybe maybe eighteen months later on against well, Ireland we, we, uh, in we, Dublin. We went we went on a, we went on a decent run. We went on a decent run after this. The only the only team that beat us uh, over the next about eighteen months was Germany and Georgia. Mm. But it was it was the Georgia game that that, that killed us. I. I, I, again, look, looking at the, the first goal, um, Joe Hart being an international keeper for so long is unbelievable. Because again, there was a there was a guy I can't remember who it was, but who always used to just do an, like their tweet that saved in their drafts. Just been an uncharacteristic error there from Joe Hart. I mean, he was pretty much sending that at least once every three weeks. Like, yeah, a shit keeper. Like a, a mm-hmm. like not a good keeper at all, and you saw that again with with James Morrison's goal. I mean, it was great, but you can tell by the reaction in the stadium that it had no right to go in because there was no. It was like a the a, almost a delay in the in the from the shot being let let off to being in the net because they're like, well, the keeper's got that. When when you when you see it from behind the goals, so so yes, it's a bad error, but when you see it from behind the goals, 
there is there is a delay in the England players reacting to Morrison kind of setting himself. Ah, it's three yards. And then about three players kind of motion towards him, and as a consequence, Hart can't can't see the ball until it's past the last one, and it dips just as it's reaching him. So, yes, it's a bad error, but I don't know if it's quite as egregious as it as it looks initially. No, but I mean it more than his, it's just his career was as a series oh, of oh, goals. Because <laughs> Joe Hart, he, was another one, he tried to, he was always one who claimed to stand up and take the criticism. I'll front up, they use all that, that type of language, you know, uh, be a chest pounder. Uh, but I always find that that's... Uh, Make up for a guy, lack of ability. Yeah, and it's like, I'll always stand up and take criticism. Well, well what are you going to do? Hide for the criticism. You're going to get criticised whether you like it or not. There's the, this, the idea of fronting up to criticism never really makes much sense as a, as a footballer or a celebrity. You don't actually have any choice. You're going to, <laughs> if you're being criticised, you're, you're being criticised. Um, and so with Joe Hart now, it's like Jordan Pickford's almost like copying his Which career. I <laughs> Which uh, I yeah. love because he's a real bad egg. <laughs> and he he does exactly. To be fair to Jordan Pickford, he's not done the mistakes for England yet. They're coming. They are on the horizon. <laughs> uh, In the post. Uh, like like they, they are, there's no doubt they're coming. But he does. He he sort of acts very much the same. Um, and I'm sorry, just you're all just we're just sitting here quietly waiting for it for it to happen. Really. Um, so so uh, England equalised, though. But we're down to ten men. Grant had well, yes, exactly. Grant Hanley was off the park getting treatment. If uh, that's if, that's a great what if in Scottish football. Yeah, we well, I've talked to Sean now. Hanley's the whole is the is the key to our to our past and our future. Really, he is he is a glue that binds that team together. <laughs> well, I mean, in fairness, so because uh, Walcott had done Whitaker for pace quite easily, quite easily, and it was weird because Scott Brown had. I mean, presumably Scott Brown knew that we were now essentially down to a back three. He he kind of pushed forwards when he probably should have dropped back in. And if he'd if he just started five or ten yards further back, he would have he would have been able to help Whitaker out. Uh, but as it was, he he got back too late, and then and, and Walcott, uh, Walcott was able to to, to slot it past McGregor. But I it was it was unfortunate the way that the way that that goal panned out. And then came sort of. As we're saying, maybe Kenny Miller's one of his crowning moments is a Scotland player where he sort of took Gary Cahill on some on, on a wild ride. He sent uh, him for a pint of milk. <laughs> yeah, I, I, like, it was just quite how easily. Like, it was great for Miller, and the finish is outstanding, and it is all quality. But the simplicity of just ever so slightly <laughs> moving your shoulder one way, and Gary Cahill just moving completely over there. It's, it's, it's quite mental, isn't it? I think at the time, but Gary Cahill was sort of like a Chelsea stalwart at the time, playing at the, at the highest level for, for a top-quality side. But Kenny Miller ripped I don't think, he, I don't think he was. I don't think Cahill was ever the same after that. That was the beginning Miller, of the end. And Miller, because Miller retired from Scotland duty after that, didn't he? I mean, he knew, he knew <laughs> that he'd, he'd peaked. Fair enough. <laughs> and uh, the, but the finishes, like I think the finishes so absolutely good. outstanding. Like drilled low. Like we're blaming Hart for other things, but there's I don't think there's many goalies getting there. He barely doesn't have much to aim at, and, he, and it's absolutely the the sort of the, the mix of accuracy and power. Uh, it was like it's, it's a top quality finish, as you'll see. That's and then uh, we, and, uh, on you, Sean. Sorry. No, no, Bash one going. Oh. 
and then uh, we don't really have that long to to sit on that lead because we concede like so soon after that that feels particularly Scottish doesn't it see when that happens it's so it's so embarrassing because you, you you're embarrassed that you've celebrated because actually the the Scotland fans are still singing can you hear the England sing like as he gets, yes, as he yes. gets, it was a well back, it was well back, wasn't it, guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's infuriating because it's just that it's a run of the mill set piece, isn't it? Cross and, and, and he's. What, what was what was actually quite annoying about it was that the 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 foul that that the free kick came from, the referee actually waved to play on, and the ball went out wide to uh, left back was is it Leighton Baines? Ah, it was Leighton Baines. Yeah. Now he had an opportunity to cross the ball into the box at that point. But the referee, so the referee had, had played advantage, but then decided decided that him that, that Baines having an opportunity to get the ball into the box wasn't an advantage. So then he brought play back to, to take that free kick. But actually, if he just if he just allowed the advantage to continue, well, yeah, I mean Baines might have put the ball in the box and somebody might have scored anyway. But the, the chances were it probably just would have been cleared but again. It was just like very very frustrating. And then, unfortunately. We end up losing it because uh, Ricky Lambert coming on for his debut uh, after I think he'd had a really good season at Southampton. Is yeah, that right? Yeah. Or is this so maybe, was it, this, was it to this, Liverpool this, yet? No, this was before, no, he was still at Southampton. He might have just signed for Liverpool maybe. But uh, as, yeah, it was his first touch in international football. Brown. Brown, Brown was at fault for uh, that. Brown, yeah, loses uh, Brown's man. And the commentator uh, on Sky actually comments on how he thinks it's a bad idea because Lambert uh, was good in the air. He was well, and that was sort of his main thing was sort of close control. And um, it was a big, uh, it was a big hold up play. basically. Aye. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and it's and, it, and it's a good header. And and yeah, at least he he garnered some enjoyment from it at least. But how did it feel in the stadium at that point? I know that I'm, we're going to get. Uh, I know your brain was mashed potatoes by this point, but uh, how was how was the feeling in the stadium when that I, went in? Uh, I, I was genuinely crestfallen, but I, there was also I also kind of expected it. So see, when we when we went one 0 up and two one up, I I genuinely thought this is it. Um, my, my first joint to Wembley, and I'm going to see Scotland beating England because we were playing really well. But as soon as equaliser went in, you just kind of it felt like England winning was was going to be inevitable. Uh-huh. Uh, so I it was it was expected, but I was I was gutted. I normally when I do when I've been involved in these in the past, I normally go looking for sort of scandals in the opposition team, uh, either sort of sexual scandals or violent scandals. You know, you know what a scandal is. Yes. Uh, and then I looked at this one and looked through the England team and said I could have my dinner for a month off the scandal in this England team. So you've got Kyle Walker has got quite modern scandals. So in the last month, you've got uh, Stephen Gerrard, Jack Wilshire, Wayne Rooney, uh, Ashley Cole. I mean, the Cole one was a good one. Eh? That was where he sort of shot a student, did he not? Oh, uh, with, a pen, uh, with a dart gun, was it? Or something yeah. Like? Uh, they don't take an air rifle to train a white TS guy or something. Yeah, so I've got, I've, got, I've got the Guardian one here. Chelsea defender Ashley Cole shoots student at club's training ground. England left back Cole 30 was larking about with a .22 air rifle when he fired at the working Such studio. Such tabloid language, eh? Larking <laughs> about. No, I was like, yeah, I ever say to anyone, here, Tony, do you want to come and just uh, lark about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll meet you in the pub for a lark about. <laughs> uh, 
but uh, from from five feet away, not even five feet away, it makes it sound extremely deliberate <laughs> than anything else. But that, that's all allegedly. That's my opinion rather than what was fact. Just to be to be clear there, in case Asher calls uh, lawyers are listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and obviously everything else. I think's a bit alleged. Wayne Rooney allegedly. Uh, mm, some of the some of the stuff isn't alleged, no, but. But uh, what was the granny stuff? Is that alleged or was no, that? No, no, I think that's I think that's a established fact. But um, that was a good one, like cheating on your wife, but with a, an elderly. I don't want to be rude about elderly. I don't want to be rude about elderly prostitutes and stuff. And and, and I know men have uh, sort of completely different needs and wants, uh, needs and desires. Yeah, like uh, and some of them can be quite niche. And that, but just the fact that Wayne really decided if I'm going to cheat on my wife, who I've got kids with, a family, it just seems like a, just a really, really pointless one to do. I, was, uh, this, was, it, was the granny, I thought the granny was quite early on in his career, before he was, I thought it was when he, I thought it was, because there was the other, there was the other um, uh, sex worker. Infidelity has been a big part of That he paid like <laughs> £250 for a packet of cigarettes from. Like that was one of her extra charges. Was oh, I can, can you bring some cigarettes? And she was like, "Yeah, there's a markup on that." And it, it was two hundred and fifty pound for a, a, a <laughs> twenty lap It's exactly twenty regal. Um, was the was the was the older prostitute was a nickname not something called something like old slapper. <laughs> hey, I'm but happy to just let that. I'm not. I'm not checking. I'm sure she was just known as old slapper. <laughs> Because right, you got uh, caught on the CCTV, that was how they. That yeah, was how they did it. Like, it, yeah, it got leaked. Um, uh, uh, Gerard's or Gerard's more alleged. No, I think no. I went to court to the. But he punched the. Did he punch the DJ? Is that right? No, uh, he hammered. He, he hammered the boy because he wouldn't have changed the the music in a pub. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's as jakey as it gets. Like uh, the absolute. He's totally remember that he's now in Scottish football, so because he's probably... not changing the tunes. <laughs> <laughs> real, real, real team of deviants, this English team. Yeah, well, unsurprisingly, and then, uh, and I said that Kyle Walker, he done the back to the prostitutes. Of course, he had the prostitutes round for a house party uh, right at the start of lo- right at the start of lockdown. But hey, everyone was dealing with lockdown in their different ways, and uh, <laughs> that's what. It, <laughs> and uh, if he needed not one, not two, but three prostitutes to get over his loneliness, <laughs> then. Who am I, I, I to judge? Want, I, just want, I just get through the lockdown with like watching the Great British Bake Off. just like getting all the hookers in. If I put over 100k in your bank account every week, I bet you start uh, dealing with lockdown in an extremely different way, Sean. I just watch even more Great British Bake Off. <laughs> just on a, a bigger screen every single week. <laughs> on my cinema screen. <laughs> Uh, right, is there anything else you want to add to that? Is there anything that happened in the rest of your evening, Sean, after this game? Uh, no, no, I, I, I just went to my bed. <laughs> <laughs> Firmly in bed. Right, um, well, thanks very much, guys. That was great fun. Uh, much more fun than talking about Scotland 2, Liechtenstein 1, which was uh, what I was doing in my life last week. Uh, <laughs> uh, so thanks very much for listening, everyone. If you want to continue listening to uh, this, this Scotland-themed podcast. We are going to go over to Patreon, where Duncan Mackay has a, another one of our guests, the Scotland International, which I do so badly at, to the point he offers me more 
and more and more questions, but I still can't get there. And then the only one that I've managed to win is because Fowler said by mistake, Jordan Roberts rather than Jordan Rhodes. So if you want to see more of that high class quality, especially me going up against Sean, who uh, is a, a huge Scotland fan and he's obviously was alive during the whole period uh, that Duncan's going to be referring to. Uh, another cheap shot. I mean, it happens constantly, Sean. I don't know if I like it. Because Telfer's coming back now on Friday, and I'm sure you're going to be getting that patter drilled into your ears non-stop for 22. I know, but, you know, Telford's, Telford's lonely, and, and if, if things like that gets him through life, then that's fine. Then what the hey? Well, absolutely. So if you're lonely and you want to continue listening to us talk about Scottish football, come over to the Patreon and say goodbye, Sean. Goodbye. And say goodbye, Duncan. Goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network.